Welcome to The Worst Best Sellers, where we read about how Mars needs toilets so you don't have to. I'm Kate. And I'm Renata. And for this episode, we read Red Rising by Pierce Brown. Joining us to discuss this gory damn disgusting dystopian novel is Anna, children's librarian and dystopia connoisseur. Hello. Hi, Anna. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Uh, And before we get into the discussion of this book, just a heads up, uh, we're trying to be better about warnings. And this book definitely contains sexual assault and rape. And we will be discussing those things and maybe sexual slavery. It's hard to tell, which should give you a lot of background about this book already. Extremely dubious consent, to be certain. Uh, Also, it's just gross. It's disgusting. Like, aside from, like, the moral repugnance of rape, just a lot of disgusting bodily fluids thrown around, literally sometimes. Yeah. (laughs) They're really into peeing in this book. I really think Pierce Brown, first of all, I'm very afraid that I'm going to accidentally say Pierce Brosnan, and I just want to be clear, <laughs> I just want to be clear that Pierce Brosnan would never have anything to do with any of this. He's, he's a good, pure gentleman. As far as I know, please don't tell me otherwise, but Pierce Brown, I think, maybe has some kind of pee kink, which is, like, fine in his personal life. Like, you do you, Pierce. But, like, I feel like... I thought this was just going to be sort of a regular sci-fi dystopia or whatever. You know, if this had been a Chuck Tingle book or something, I'd be like, yeah, this seems like about the appropriate amount of pee to have in it. But this I felt tricked. I felt like I did not consent to read all of this pee stuff. I definitely did not consent to this. No. Ugh. If you've listened to the podcast before, you know, you know that I hate gross things. (laughs) And I, this book is so gross. And I just want to make make that very clear from the beginning. From page one, it was disgusting, just on a pure level of bodily fluids. And yeah, it's, it's that scatological gross. It's not like gory gross, like in a horror novel when that's a different kind of gross. This is just disgusting body stuff gross. And a little bit of gore gross, but not as much. Definitely way more body gross. And I don't like yeah. any. I don't like any of that. But uh, I could talk about this for the whole time, so I guess maybe we could say what the book's about-ish. One thing I also want to say is this book really, sometimes people call it YA, and I think it sort of straddles that line, but I believe it's been marketed as adult, and we have it in our adult collection because of the language and because of the grossness, but it does have, like, teenage protagonists. But I, I... think it's not a YA book. Yeah. Before we even get into the plot, even, it's just, it's very derivative. It's very, it's derivative of YA books. Yes. I feel like Pierce Brown, this disgusting (laughs) P-man. Oh, I've never met him. I hate him. I feel like Pierce Brown, like, I think he looked at and he's like, Hunger Games is making money. Um, But I don't want to write YA stuff because I'm like a serious man. So I'm going to, like, he's young, but he's he's been married and he's like a grown up and he has serious problems, like how he has to pee his pants. (laughs) because <laughs> there aren't bathrooms on Mars. <laughs> and anyway, my book, like, you thought The Hunger Games was gritty because, like, the children murder each other and stuff, but, like, my book's way grittier because they don't have bathrooms. <laughs> it's, 
but it's even just like obviously the Hunger Games took a lot from Battle Royale and this idea of like children fighting wars has been around forever like Ender's Game exists all of that but like so many of the beats of this story feel like they were ripped directly from the Hunger Games yeah like the song and the flat so much yeah like they're you can write a dystopia in the same with the same sort of general gist of it and not have it feel like everything was stolen directly from the Hunger Games. This definitely feels like everything was stolen directly from the Hunger Games. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, let's let's dive into it because not only is this book disgusting, it is also a million hours long. Slash a million pages. Yes. So long. Okay, so it's it's on Mars, the planet. And it's about this boy named Darrow, who is a hell diver, which means he's a miner who mines for helium three, not just helium one or two, helium three. And he is the best at mining. And that's what makes him the hell diver. And so we start with this like very disgusting description of how hard it is to do mining. And it's gross. And I hated it. And then... Um, Again, kind of like along the lines of the Hunger Games, the team or clan that does the best at mining every month gets something called the Laurel, which is like the most and the best rations. And like you get ribbons to give your ladies and like all this stuff. And so Darrow does this like very risky, brave thing to get through a pocket of gas and like does it. And so he knows that they've got the most helium because it was the sort of exceptional mining find. So he knows that they're going to get the laurel and everyone's like so excited and so proud. And then they go and they watch their like Effie Trinket newscast and uh, they didn't get the laurel. The same clan that always gets the laurel got the laurel. And so Daryl's like, oh my God, the system is rigged. What the hell? And it's like a big awakening. Also, Darrow thinks that he is a real pioneer of Mars, that he is, like, the way that the world works is that there's different colors, that it's almost like a caste system. It is a caste system. Yes, well, it is a caste system, yes. And red is the lowest, but he thinks that what he's doing, like, having to live in the mines in these terrible conditions where, like, there's never enough food is they all live underground uh is worth it because they the helium that they're mining will help them terraform mars so that human colonies from earth can one day come and populate it if they do their job good enough they will be able to turn mars into a habitable planet and save the population of earth and and there's a lot of like fancy talk about how like they're indebted to these pioneers and like kind of boosting them up to like make their shitty conditions seem more tolerable yeah Darrow's father, prior to the start of the book, was killed when he was a child. And by when he was a child, let me make it clear, Darrow's, I think, 16 at this point? Yeah, maybe 17, but yeah, in that, because he got married when he turned 16. Yeah, so definitely not older than 17 at the most. But he is married and has been for a little while now, because that's just how... And so boys get married at 16, girls get married at 13, I think maybe 14, but still it's younger. Regardless. It's younger for girls and it's gross and I hate it. And so much of this book is just casually like, I think, I think it is sort of that 
I haven't watched Game of Thrones, but I've read a lot of think pieces about Game of Thrones. <laughs> and I think it is sort of that, like, well, to be realistic, we have to be shitty to women. And I think that Pierce Brown has, like, swallowed that pill and he's like, yeah, like, to be, like, realistic in my dystopia, women have to get married when they're 14. And there's so much else that we'll get into. But I think he is unable to imagine a future in which people are not shitty to women. Uh, yeah. Men, in which men are not shitty to women. Why did I say yeah. people? Well, I mean, even other women, <laughs> That's which we'll true. get to yeah. later. Women with more power. Gah. But so Darrow's father was killed because he uh, participated in a peaceful protest where he and some other miners, like, refused to mine and maybe, like, took pieces out of their equipment so it wouldn't work. Uh, but he was captured and hung. And there's this thing where, like, gravity on Mars is as such that you can't hang people. So if you want to kill someone by hanging, like, you have to pull on their feet until their neck breaks. Or, like, they will die eventually, but to be merciful, their loved ones pull their feet down so that it happens faster. Yeah, so he had to do that for his father. Yes. And it wasn't, like, great no. to him. Um, um, and one of the things his father did was, like, at, while he was protesting, he sang this forbidden song about rebellion and death or something. Yeah. It's not even about rebellion. It's it's explicitly about death. Yeah, but going I to the like, veil. Yeah. Um, one other thing to note about this caste system is that it's color-based. And so Darrow, as a red, and all of the other people in his community, they're literally red. They have red hair and red eyes. And um, that's the same with the other colors in this caste system. So the, there are also grays in this community, and they're kind of like the law enforcement who keep all the reds in line. And um, we learn more about the different colors, but... I feel like it's easy to overlook the fact that they are literally these colors, which also implies that, like, human races have kind of been erased, which is also just lazy writing, because everybody's white, but then they have, like, green hair and green eyes, or red hair and red eyes, and it's just such lazy dystopian world building, it infuriates me. Yes. And by the way, if you're wondering how did that happen with the hair, don't worry. There's a unnecessarily gross scene later where they describe, like, the kinds of genetic modifications that you can do in this shitty world. <laughs> uh, so Darrow's married to the most beautiful girl in the, the mines of Mars, whose name is Eo, And she's so beautiful, and he loves her so much, but she really, like, feels the rebellion in a way that he doesn't. And she, she shows him a special uh, kind of like trap door that she has found that leads up to gardens for a higher color. And she goes with him through the ventilation decks, uh, vents and takes him to this place. And they like watch the sunset for the first time ever. And they... And they bone. They, yep, they have sex in this garden. And when they come back out, they are captured they're caught for having gone up into a, another color's garden. And when they are brought forward for punishment, uh, Darrow just takes his punishment, like a, a person who quietly takes their punishment. And <laughs> <laughs> after taking time to do a lot of info dumping. <laughs> yes. But EO sings the forbidden song. And because of that, the, 
what the hell is, is his title? Like the the governor of Rome or governor of fucking I, I Rome? I think no. he's the, is it the arch governor? It's arch yes. something. I put it's it somewhere governor. in the yeah. The arch governor of Mars just happens to be there. And so he, of course, is, like, super offended by this song. So he has them kill EO and fucking what's his name? Darrow's real upset about it. And uh-huh. <laughs> he decides normally because of resources, they don't bury their dead. So if you die from hanging, you just hang there until your body decomposes entirely. Yeah. And so he had to stare at, like, his dead skeleton dad in the square for a long ass time as a child. But he didn't want that to happen to Eo, so he pulled her down and buried her again in the garden, which again was illegal. So they captured him, and they hung him too. But after he's hung, he wakes up and realizes that he's not dead, but his uncle, who's part of the rebellion, the Sons of Ares, has smuggled him he pulled him down before he was entirely dead like he made it look like he was dead and he like dragged him somehow yeah yeah and he saved him and he brought him to this dude dancer who's another person in the son of aries who are rebelling against the golds which is the highest caste and by the way here's the thing about ao and her rebellion is she didn't know anything she it wasn't an informed rebellion it was just like yeah, this, I don't know, it, it's, she didn't really know what she was dying for explicitly, and I am frustrated by that. I wish that she had been more involved, but she just sort of had a vague sense that things could be better, and I'll sing my song and die about it. Yeah, this girl is very quickly fridged, and we move on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but when Darrow wakes up, he's with this dude, Dancer, who takes him through to this elevator and up and up and up and has him step out and he realizes that everything he's been told is a lie mars is completely populated with big fancy cities all the other planets are completely populated with big fancy cities it's been terraformed for fucking ever but they what they're all what they call the low reds which are the lowest of the low who are bred in the mines are given this fed this lie constantly that they're still trying to terraform the planet when really like it is fucking it's done it's great done it's they super still, done they still need the helium for some reason but it's it's beautiful side yeah. note somewhere in here we learn that like human gestation has been sped up so red women are only pregnant for five months at a time instead of nine months And that detail infuriated me because it's like, these people don't have enough food. They don't have clean water. They don't have bathrooms. Why? It doesn't seem like it's so urgent that they need so many people. Like, that just seems like an extra nasty detail to throw in. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. Uh, It's fucked up. But the gold gold children are are carried for nine months, like, like regular humans. Like, why? If you have that, if you have that technology, why is that what you're doing with it? Yeah, it's it, nothing makes any sense. And this none of the world building makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Darrow finds out that the reason that the sons of Ares want him is because their goal for a while has been to genetically modify a red into a gold and have them infiltrate the society. And for whatever reason, they have decided. I mean, that okay, Kate. I'm sorry. The reason is that Darrow is the best at mining and the smartest boy, and he's just the best boy. And also, he got bitten by a snake. Oh, fuck, yes. 
when he was a child and instead of sucking the poison out, they left a little poison inside and his heart got stronger. <laughs> That's correct. It's, it's important to note that he has hell diver hands, which comes up about a thousand times, which just means that he's really fast and extra dexterous. <laughs> Yes, so he's the, very he's the best boy. Modifier. Yes, and so then there's this just, like, extended My Fair Lady sequence where <laughs> he's getting, like, all the classes and how, like, fancy gold people act. By the way, this book has its own dumb slang, which can be fine. I don't I don't necessarily mind a book with its own slang. For example, Feed by M.P. Anderson is great. But uh, he has to learn all the new dumb slangs. So there's, like, competing sets where, like, oh, which is it? One of the... One of the cast says gory damn, the other one says bloody damn, and like... Bloody damn is the reds. That makes sense, because blood is red. Yes. And gory damn is nonsense. Anyway, so he has to learn all this dumb stuff like that. And then the physical procedures are like very painful, and there's just a lot of description of him suffering, but like taking it like a man... And I hated it. And there's also, we are introduced to some pinks, which are the cast who are just for, like, pleasure. So that's... Pleasure and aesthetics. Yeah. So as Kate mentioned earlier, sex slaves, question mark? Unclear to what extent these, what they're up to, what they consent to. But there's one uh, pink in particular named Evie who... Mickey genetically grafted wings onto, but they don't work. And Darrow kind of, like, feels protective towards her because she is, like, damaged. And all she does is make me think of Pokemon. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So Darrow comes out, like, the $6 million man, faster, stronger, better. Blonder. Blonder. (laughs) Yes. They make a whole, like, fake backstory for him where he was from, like, a a mining colony and his parents died uh, to get him into the Institute, which is, like, the big deal, like, the fanciest of the golds. The golds send their best kids to take this test for the Institute, and those who get in, like, then further have to compete, and then, like, the top whatever percentage of the class, they become peerless scarred which is, like, the highest you can get in gold hierarchy. And that's what they want to get Darrow into that portion of the gold society so that he can help them bring it down from the inside. And here's where it stops being Hunger Games for a second to become Ender's Game. And by the way, there is a reference when they're listing, um, like, the historical leaders of the past or whatever, and they say, like, Julius Caesar and Alexander the Great and Wigan. I was like, is that Ender Wigan? Is Ender's Game canonical with Red Rising? <laughs> and I it think explains it must so be. much. Because <laughs> I mean, there's no like real guy named Wigan. Anyway, that's all institute shit. Yeah, Dara gets the highest score on the test and passes the physical test so he is offered a place at the institute and on the bus ride over he meets this like very like soft spoken very rich very pampered but very kind boy who he chats with and gets to like and his name is julian and they get sorted into the same house yeah so there's there's 12 houses they're all for different roman gods 
And it, it is a little bit like, um, you know, your Hogwarts or whatever, where they each sort of have a defining trait, but not, but some of them don't really, but. Yeah, but they, they don't explain what all of them yeah, are. Yeah, there's no talking hat. And also, there's supposed to be 12 of them, but then later on, they mention a 13th. Not in, like, a, like, forbidden 13th house way, but they mention it like any other house. And when I was Googling about this, the popular theory is just that the author literally lost track of the houses and introduced another one. So all makes sense. And the leaders of the houses are, like, going around and evaluating all of them. And one of them actually plays bloody knuckles with Darrow as a way of, like, evaluating him. But, of course... He wins because he has Helldiver hands. You know it, I'm not letting this one go. (laughs) Yeah. So he is picked... Is he picked first for Mars, or is he just picked very in the front for Mars? He's the second draft for House Mars. Yeah, so he's the second person picked, which is a big deal, because the faster you're picked, the better your ranking is. And also... And And Mercury wanted him for first pick, but, like... Somebody outvoted him or something. Yeah. And also certain rich families, they like pre-pick what house their kid is going to be in. Yeah, like Apollo and Juno and Jupiter, I think, are some of the like most highly regarded houses. Yeah. So there's a handful of kids who like start off in houses without being picked because their parents have set it up in advance. But they so they they all get their new houses. They have dinner together and then in the middle of the night, they're all kidnapped and brought to this place where they're put in a room with one other person and told that if they want to advance, they have to literally just murder that person. And Darrow is, of course, put in with Julian, the super nice kid who he met, and he has to kill him. So he does. And he feels real bad about it, but he does murder this boy. And most of the kids are a little traumatized after this. Uh, but some of them super aren't and are very into the fact they just murdered a person. For example, Titus, who emerges as kind of the bully of Mars. The Draco yeah. of Mars, if you will. Yes. And Darrow makes friends with this kid, Cassius, who's like, Darrow and Cassius have like some of the strongest personalities in the Mars house. And one of the things that you are competing for is becoming the primus of your house, which is basically like the leader the and head boy to, of the house, if you will. Yes, the head boy of the house. And you have or a girl, a, but we know it's going to be a boy, obviously. Yes. Um, you have to get a certain number of like points before you can be considered for it. Um, so he and Cassius like very quickly become friends, and Cassius is Julian's brother. And when Julian doesn't come out after like they're waiting and waiting and waiting for everybody to come out from their murder test. Cassius is very upset, but of course there's no way to know who killed who, so Darrow just keeps mum, and this fucking, one of the other kids is like low-key kind of bragging about how he killed Julian, which obviously Darrow knows he's full of shit, but he kind of uses that to his advantage and is like, oh yeah, that fucking kid killed him. Yeah, it'll come back later, we promise, this whole situation. So then, then they, then it becomes, you know, Ender's Game or whatever. They are, they don't have very much, like, training for this. They're, like, just sort of immediately dropped into this, like, war game situation. Yeah. Uh, where they, each house has a castle. 
and the object of the game is to like conquer all the other castles and enslave all the other uh, fellow students. And the proctors are, like, around and sometimes watching from, like, literally above on, like, floating whatevers with grab boots. Mount Olympus. Yeah, from Mount Olympus. But they have, like, grab boots, like, fly around or whatever. Um, I was imagining them more like the the turtle who fishes you out when you die in Mario Kart. <laughs> <laughs> I was imagining that. But, uh, so th- their object is to enslave all the other teammates. And there's basically no rules. And they're like, you're not... We frown on it if you murder someone, but also there's these med bots flying around, and if someone's near death, they'll probably be able to save them. But, like, otherwise, whatever goes, like, anything goes in war, which is fucked up. And uh, the Mars house, we learn, has started with, like, no resources, basically. Um, And they, they, uh, again, they don't have bathrooms. Yeah, and there's four people who are basically kind of fighting to see who's going to be the winner of the Primus. Uh, it's Darrow and Cassius, this guy Titus, who is a fucking rapey asshole, and this girl Antonia. And she's a mean girl. She is a mean girl. Uh, Darrow and Cassius very quickly form like kind of an alliance because they don't want to kill people. And Titus is like, let's fucking murder everyone. Uh, and they break off into three different, fa- three factions, but really four factions because this kid, Severo, kind of disappears with a couple other kids and yeah. they're just off on their own. But he is loyal to Darrow. Yes. By the way. But they're all low drafts, so they don't matter. They don't matter. Yes. Severo, by the way, every time I was like, is this a typo for Servo? It's not. His name is Severo. But that's a stupid choice. Mm-hmm. Yes. I don't know. Maybe Severo is some kind of Roman name, but it still nonetheless reads like a typo for Servo. Uh, so there's all this, like, fighting back and forth and making slaves of other people. Um, they find out that Titus, who has kind of taken over the castle after everyone has split into factions, has been raping the female slaves from other houses that they've caught. And they find this out, and so does Mustang, who is a girl who Darrow actually met a couple times before when he was, like, training to be a gold. He was trying to learn how to ride a horse and he didn't do a real good job. And this girl was like, ha, you can't even ride a horse. By the way, and he was why like, did you bring up. horses to Mars, you fancy assholes? <laughs> and he, like, horses are in- literally the worst. <laughs> he bumped into her a couple more times. And uh, she is the primus of House Mer- uh, Minerva. And when she finds out that... There, that House Mars is raping these slaves. Like, she obviously is very upset, like a normal human with emotions would be. And they kind of like work out this weird deal where, like, he captures their standard, which is the thing that they need to make slaves, and he'll give it to her if she. By the way, literally, it's like laser tag. If you tap your standard to someone's head, then they're your slave. Yeah. Uh, it, it, the the what's and how's of it aren't important. Essentially, like they overthrow Titus and they and they what, free they, the slaves and they make this kind of like rogue meta house or like alliance of between two houses, which has not been done. In yeah, because it it is supposed to be like house versus house. Yeah. So, but first, when they overthrow Titus, Cassius. Uh, challenges him to a duel because Mm. he thinks he killed his brother and he kills him 
And Darrow's like, great, this is awesome. Now I don't have to, we'll just pretend that he killed Julian and everything will be right with the world. Um, But there is this guy called the Jackal who's running around from House Pluto who's real cutthroat and really wants to win. And that he is the son of the arch governor of Mars. The proctors have kind of been encouraged to let him win. Which we find out occasionally because Fitchner, who is like the Haymitch of Mars, has been popping in and giving questionable updates, but that's we sort of learn that from him. Yeah. So the Jackal tells Cassius essentially, like, actually... He doesn't tell him. He gives him a hologram. He gives him the footage. He gives him the footage of Darrow killing Julian, and... When Cassius sees this, he comes after Darrow and first, like, convinces him that they're going off together to do, like, work somewhere to go on a a quest to get more resources or something. Uh, But when he's there, he fights him and challenges him to a duel and stabs him and leaves him for dead. And the girl Mustang comes and saves him and nurses him back to health. And... He's very attracted to Mustang, but also he can't betray his beautiful, pure, perfect wife, who's so pure and so perfect, by having feelings for another girl. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Even though at this point he has, she has been dead longer than they were married. Mm-hmm. So they, he and Mustang, try to come up with like a reason why, a, a reason, a good way to run this because. They've realized that, like, if you make people slaves, they'll resent you. So they have to come up with a way to amass an army if they want to take over the other houses without making everyone slaves and making them all resent them. So they come up with this plan where essentially once you prove your loyalty to them, you're not a slave anymore. They'll take away your slave mark and you can just be like a, a normal part of their army. And he, Darrow, cements this by when a different person is caught trying to rape one of the girls. As they start amassing, they first they amass this group of Oathbreakers, which are people who are slaves, who kind of are just like, fuck this, and leave. Because there's literally nothing keeping the slaves there except, like, the threat of violence against them. Well, that, and then when it's all over, they'll be dishonored within society or whatever. Yeah. Which, so by I'm, the way, here's a thing that I want to say before I forget. While they're while he's in his My Fair Lady training with Dancer and, like, getting ready for the school, they keep saying, like, and we don't know what the Institute's going to be like. We have no idea. We, like, it's all so secretive. But then we find out that, that all of this is being filmed and broadcast to, like, high-level gold so they can watch this to figure out who they want to be their apprentices and stuff. Also, like, The Hunger Games. Um, like, it's not public the way The Hunger Games is, but it sounded like a lot of people had access to this. And so I I don't understand how, if you have all these connections to, like, Gold Society, you can even find one person who would tell you anything about this. Anyway. Yeah. It's very, very not thought through. Um, and that's why it's also, like, really bad that the proctors are interfering, because technically they're not, not supposed to be doing that. So it's a big deal that Darrow finds out that the proctors are actually rigging the game, because the proctors could get in really big trouble, but they're doing it so that they can advance to something better than being proctors. Yes, yeah, because in a sense, this is all, like, one long, horrible, like, job interview for all these people, and it's yeah. being tampered with. Yeah. So 
they start by like finding all these Oathbreakers and they still have the Minerva standard, which they'll use, like they'll make people slaves and then, you know, give them this, like, if you help us out, we'll unslave you essentially. Um, and it works. And they end up amassing like a, a pretty good group of people and they're able to take the. One of the other houses. Yes. Sorry. Maybe it's Mars. Did they take Mars back? Like what's left no, of Mars? I think it's Ceres. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because they get the ovens. Yes. So they're able to take Saris back, and uh, one of the slaves that they get there, or one of the people who's in their amassed army, uh, tries to rape some of the slaves there, and that is the point where Darrow is like, I am punishing you for doing this because, like, it's fucked up and wrong, but not only am I punishing you, but also I am going to take a harsher punishment from you because like, it's not essentially like, I'm not mad. I'm disappointed. Uh, Yeah. Well, and he also, he's like, Oh, and I realized that like people love me so much that it will hurt them to watch me be hurt. And then they'll be mad at this guy because he made me get hurt. Yeah. He's trying to like enforce this loyalty by saying like, if you hurt, if you, work against anyone in our army you're working against all of us including me so if i'm gonna punish you i have to punish myself because i'm the one who has let this happen and so but also, everyone gets- maybe is it just more part of pierce brown's like fetishes i don't know who knows which again, not there's absolutely no wrong if you are in a pee, if you are in to p- watching people publicly get flogged twenty five times by a big burly guy, like that's totally fine. But like, okay, it's, say it the, slower. The way that it's worked into this book is very strange. But so everybody sees him get whipped, and they're like, "Holy shit! Like he's great! Like we're gonna work for him." And fuck, I hate it. (laughs) (laughs) So bad. Yeah, it's not great. Um, I'm just gonna take this time to say that in all of the war games, at one point they like find out the password to another fortress (laughs) and they get in, and the password is bosom butthead. That is how they that is how they conquer this fortress. They learn the password and they sneak in by saying bosom butthead. Yes, that's accurate. I also want to point out that among the, like, there are made-up sort of insults, but they also will frequently call each other butt boy. Like, cool, butt boy has survived into the whatever century. Thanks for that. A lot of the names they call each other are super homophobic, so I'm glad that that's also a thing. But so they they amass this army of, like, people left over from all the other houses, and one by one they take all the... They take back all the other fortresses, even though the proctors are at points like literally trying to kill them uh, in order to stop this. But they play a trick on the proctors where they distract them while they take like one of by Apollo's house, which is like one of the remaining really big ones. And Apollo's real pissed off. And when your house is taken, the proctor is supposed to leave Mount Olympus. But they find out that Apollo hasn't. And Apollo is teamed up with the Jackal, who's this kid that everyone wants to win. And the Jackal... Yeah, because the Jackal is the son of the Arch Governor. Yes. And so he plays this trick on them where he pretends he's from a different house and they make him think that they've bought it, but really, like, they corner him and they try to get him, but he cuts his own hand off in order to get away. And in their pursuit of him, the Proctors kidnap Mustang... 
so Darrow leads everyone on a like raid against Mount Olympus. Yes. And they just storm the Mount Olympus and like capture and attack all of the proctors and take it over. And like the last thing they need to do is capture the jackal. And now they've got super good weapons because they have access to the armory on Mount Olympus. So Darrow sends fucking Mustang to go capture the jackal and only then is informed that Mustang is the jackal's twin sister. Yes. So he's 100% sure that she's going to betray him because they had a whole conversation about how important family is. But it turns out she didn't betray him. She thinks her brother's a piece of shit. So she, like... Especially compared to Darrow, who's the best boy in all of space. Yes. And compared to her other brother who died a while back, who was, like, the best person, and he's, like, a shithead in comparison. But she, like, ties him up and brings him to Darrow, and they win... Yes. We skipped over a bunch of stuff that I think is great that I don't want to talk about. One thing that I do want to talk about, uh, we did mention how Severo and his friends were, like, hiding out in the woods. I don't think we mentioned that they're literally wearing wolf skins and howling, and they've gotten, like, semi-feral. And it's, like, very Wolverine and very that one Jodie Pico book, Lone Wolf, that we read. And that was, like, maybe actually my favorite part. Yeah, and that becomes, because they don't have a standard for house people alone in the woods, uh, Darrow (laughs) starts this whole thing where, like, you're a slave until you prove your loyalty, and when you prove your loyalty, you get a wolf skin to wear? Yes. Why are there so many wolves on Mars? Also, wolves are endangered here (laughs) on Earth. Where did you get them? Why are you killing them all? So the book ends with the Arch Governor shows up and essentially is like, hey, if you make a good cut of this where you cut out the parts where, cause they had found out that the feed that goes out to all the other golds is on a delay. So they have time to put together like basically like a good edit. Yeah. <laughs> and in their initial good edit, it's very clear that like the arch governor is evil and is paying all these people to let his son win. But he's like, Hey, if you change your edit so that I look better, I will take you as my apprentice, which is basically like the best job that you could possibly get in all of Mars. Especially if you are a spy. Yes. (laughs) So he takes it and that's the end of the book. Oh, one other unresolved thing is is Titus the person who uh, Darrow realized was also maybe a red? Yeah. Because yes. he says bloody damn instead of gory damn. Yeah. Uh, Darrow also slips up at one point and says bloody damn instead of gory damn. And Severo saw it and edited it out of the film for him. And he's not clear if that means that Severo like, knows he's a red or not. Um, and that was left unresolved. I'm guessing will be dealt with in future books. Severo also is the son of... of Hey Mitch, a fake Hey Mitch, uh, which is why he gets to be there, but he's also like not allowed to succeed as much as he wants or some shit. I don't know. That's why he's a wolf boy. Yeah, like he's there on merit, but he's not as fancy as the other golds. And they had kind of like there's this this implication that when they set up this like murder test that they pair people together like they pair purposely pair very strong people with very weak people oh yes and that like the weak people are meant to die and there are some weak people who don't die 
and he is one of them. Like he was very clearly meant to be killed in the murder test, but managed to murder whoever he was up against. I think it was a kid named Priam. I think it was one of the fanciest boys. Yeah. yeah. This, he was the son of like a governor or some shit. Uh, you know what? Good for you, Severo. Yeah. I, Severo is probably my favorite character in the book. Yeah. If I'm, I'm, if I'm anything, I'm team Severo, but yeah. not strongly. Uh, <laughs> he's still in this book and that's his main problem. <laughs> Yeah. All I right. mean, in general, the book is just, it's not good. It's derivative. There's like no, like not even really references to any queer people existing except via terrible insults that the boys lob at each other. Right. Well, because at least, because with the Reds, you know, they, if they don't get married, they have less rations, which is why it was a big deal that AO waited for Darrow because she was like, starving for two years waiting for him to be of marriage age and then they have to start spitting out five month babies I guess so I don't know but then with the pinks it did seem well at least there's male pinks but maybe they just only serve women I don't know I mean the the pink that Darrow works with to get my fair ladied uh into gold society is very strongly coded as queer but also like it's never addressed yeah, it's really. just it's just a, such an unimaginative future. Yeah. It's all of the worst parts of it's it's the sort of thing that if this was published like 15 or 20 years ago, it would feel like on par, but there's so many better things happening in sci-fi now. There's yeah. things are so much more progressive. Fiction in general is so much more progressive that this feels so reductive and old and bad truly and just the thing that kept like bothering me about it is i will buy the the premise of the hunger games that like there's these 13 areas and or 12 areas and and a 13th secret area Yes, and that, like, after this war, like, they make all the poor people fight against each other to the death for entertainment, and they, like, have a couple, like, very, but even, like, the Capitol kids, like, District 1 obviously has to fight, but, like, the kids in the Capitol don't have to fight, it's just the teenagers in the districts. Like, it is so hard for me to believe that the the highest people in society, like, the most fancy, will give their children up for a 50-50 chance that they'll be murdered. And the, the I don't know, the principal of the school or whatever gives a speech where he's like, oh, did you think this would be a problem? Well, if you look at it, there's like a million golds on Mars and you're like 0.003% and like we can lose you or whatever. Like, dumb, callous, I hate it. Yeah, it just, it is so hard for me to believe that like, the whole premise of this is that every year, all of the best families in society send their children off to probably be murdered. Like, what? Anyway. Yeah. I didn't like it. <laughs> tell, me, tell me how you really feel. Well, I, was, I was saying to Renata before we started that, like, we've read a lot of really terrible books. And Full I don't stop. Know what yes, it- we have. <laughs> I don't know what it is about this one, but, like, I, there were points where I was like, this book is going to break me. Like, it was so painful to read. I was listening to it. I normally listen to audiobooks on 1.25. 
After like an hour, I kicked this one up to 1.5. The next day, I kicked it up to 1.75. And like an hour into that, I kicked it up to 2.0. And I would have gone higher, but after 2.0, the words become intelligible. Yeah. I I mean, it's just, it's so grim and so gross on different levels. Like there was no... No enjoyment to be had anywhere. And it wasn't even like, oh, cool action scene or like cool, I don't know. Even anything that was sort of innovative, it was like, oh, but like the Hunger Games already did that and it was better in the Hunger Games or like, God, Ender's Game did this better than you in like 1985 or whatever. There was just nothing. Plus, Darrow just is an unlikable protagonist. He's so arrogant and ragey and just like, toxic masculinity so you you don't even like the main character yeah that was a big problem for sure too yeah it was just not an enjoyable experience i want to we should move on dramatic readings i want to give one last example of why i fucking hate darrow so there's a part where in the beginning where he's sort of like idly speculating or whatever about how um how he knows one of like his brothers or friends wives like prostitutes herself out to get money to get more food for the family and he's like Aya would never do that and he's like but maybe she would do that because I think she would do anything for me and like I know she's still hungry and she eats less so that I can have more and like she's so generous and I would do anything for her and I was like bitch then let her have her food if you would do anything for her then like you're not even you're taking your food from her like so it's all this tied up like you know wanting to protect her purity or whatever and not wanting her and like also if you have a whole class of like pleasure slaves question mark why is there even a market for like other prostitutes i mean i guess it's just like the like gross power thrill of it or whatever but like (sighs) anyway darrow sucks yeah Let's do some dramatic reading. Yeah, let me tell you. Oh, gosh. Okay, so this is from page three of the book, and it's just gonna <laughs> just gonna let you know how strongly this book starts off just being disgusting. Um, at this point, I don't even think he's really defined fry suit, but fry suit is like what they wear while they're mining. Just so you know. Um, and it, I'll, it's only Darrow, and I will do it. You're welcome. <clears throat> I smell my own stink inside my fry suit. The suit is some kind of nanoplastic and is hot as its name suggests. It insulates me toe to head. Nothing gets in. Nothing gets out. Especially not the heat. The worst part is you can't wipe the sweat from your eyes. Bloody damn stings as it goes through the headband to puddle at the heels. Not to mention the stink when you piss. Which you always do. Gotta take in a load of water through the drink tube. (laughs) drink too i'm sorry i guess you could be fit with a catheter we choose the stink the drillers of my clan chatter some gossip over the calm in my ear as i ride atop the claw drill um this is so silly and i hate it i'm alone in this deep tunnel on a machine built like a titanic metal hand one that grasps and gnaws at the ground I control its rock-melting digits from the holster seat atop the drill, just where the elbow joint would be. There, my fingers spit into control gloves that manipulate the many tentacle-like drills some 90 meters below my perch. To be a helldiver, they say your fingers must flicker fast as tongues of fire. Mine flicker faster. Despite the voices in my ear, I am alone in the deep tunnel. 
My existence is vibration, the, the echo of my own breath. And heat so thick and noxious, it feels like I'm swaddled in a heavy quilt of hot piss. Gross. Yeah, it's not great. Yeah, there's more. I You get it. I don't want to read any more of it. I don't want to go <laughs> beyond so quilt of hot piss. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh-uh. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, right off the bat, like, you, you've envisioned this world where you have all this technology, but you can't, you can't give a guy a diaper? You can't. I mean, he said we could wear a catheter and we don't. You have chosen to be the most disgusting thing. Just why? Just why? Because real men don't mind smelling like pee all the time. Peeing where you're supposed to pee is gay. Only gay people pee in toilets. (laughs) Real men pee off the side of castles or on slaves or... Or in their own pants. (laughs) (laughs) I will never be over this. Uh, Anyway, uh, so for this next one, Anna and I are going to read about a little bit after the, the games have started and the proctors are descending from Olympus to uh, kind of gossip and chat while all of the children are getting ready to murder each other. And I am going to read for Fitchner, and Anna is going to read for Saris, and Renata will read the narrator bits. Yeah. Mars, a picnic. She calls, referring to him by his house's deity. So who arranged for this drama, Saris? Oh, Apollo, I suppose. He's lonely up in his mountain estates. Here, this is Zinfandel from his vines, much better than last year's varietal. Delicious. But your boys were squatting in the grass, almost as if they expected the picnic to spontaneously manifest. Suspicious, no? Details. Pedantic details. Well, here's a detail. It seems two of mine are worth five of yours this year, my dear. These pretty boys? I thought the vain ones went to Apollo and Venus. Oh, well, you're certainly fight like housewives and farmers. Well-placed they were. Don't judge them yet, you cad. They are mid-draft picks. My high drafts are elsewhere, earning their first calluses. Learning the ovens? Huzzah! Bakers do make the best rulers, or so I've heard. Oh, you devil. No wonder you interviewed for the Raged Night Post. Such a scoundrel. They clink their glasses together as we watch from the ground. How I love Orientation Day. Mercury just let a hundred thousand rats loose in Jupiter's citadel. But Jupiter was ready because Diana tattled and arranged for the delivery of a thousand cats. Jupiter's boys won't go hungry like last year. Cats will be fat as Bacchus. Diana is a harlot. Be kind. I was. I sent her a giant phallic cake filled with live woodpeckers. (laughs) You didn't. I did. You beast. Ceres caresses his arm, and I note the free-loving demeanor these people have. I wonder if the other proctors are lovers as well. Her fortress will be riddled with holes. Oh, the sound must be horrible. Well played, Mars. They say Mercury is the trickster, but your japes always have a certain flair. Like, you, where, where did you get these animals on Mars. What are you doing with them? 
Are they going like, to eat the cats? Because I don't care for that. <laughs> no, there's actually a lot of like animal violence in this book, too, as if there weren't enough things to make you hate it. <sighs> All right. So our last dramatic reading is a very strange metaphor that Mustang and uh, fucking what's his name? Darrow. Darrow come up with to describe how they want to lead army or something it's like a hand she sits close and cozy leg touching mine close enough for guilt to crawl along my spine the caribou roasts filling the cave with a cozy thick aroma a blizzard rages outside and the wolf fur dries over the fire give me your hand which is your best finger they are all better at different things don't be obstinate I tell her my thumb. She has me try and hold a stick with only my thumb. She easily pulls it from my grasp. Then she has me hold it without my thumb and only the other fingers. With a twist, the stick is free. Imagine that your thumb is your house members. The fingers are all the slaves you have conquered. The primus, or whoever, is the brain. It all works pretty gory seamlessly, yeah? She can't pull the stick from my grip. I set it down and ask her the point. Now try to do something beyond simply grabbing the standard. Just move your thumb counterclockwise and your fingers clockwise, except your middle. I do it. She stares at my hands and laughs incredulously. Ass. I ruined her demonstration. Helldivers are dexterous. I watch her hands as she tries to do it too. Of course, she fails. I understand. A hand is like the society, I say. It is the structure of the armies at the Institute. The hierarchy is good for simple tasks. Some fingers are more important than others. Some are better at certain things. All fingers are controlled by the highest order, the brain. The brain's control is effective. It makes your thumb and fingers work together. But the single brain's control is limited. Imagine each one of the fingers had a brain of its own that interacted with the main brain. The fingers obey, but they function independently. What could the hand do then? Could an army do? I twirl the stick along my fingers in intricate patterns. Exactly. Her eyes linger on mine, and her fingers trace along my palm as she explains. I know she wants me to react to her touch, but I force my mind to be lost on other things. The idea of her, this idea of hers isn't part of the proctor's lesson. Their lesson is about the evolution from anarchy to order. It is about control, about the systematic accumulation of power, the structure of that power, and then its preservation. It is a model to show that the rule of hierarchies is the best. The society is the final evolution, the only answer. She just slagged that rule, or at least showed its limitations. If I could earn the voluntary allegiance of the slaves, the army created would look nothing like the society. It would be better. Like if the Reds of Lycos thought they could actually win the Laurel, they would be so much more productive. Or if a freighter on board his star cruiser could utilize not only his own genius, but that of his crew of blues. Mustang strategy is Ao's dream great barf basically yeah so it's just a lot of like 
I don't know, pseudo-philosophy and nonsense and pee. Yes, lots of pee. (laughs) All right, next up uh, is normally when we would play Would You Rather, but it honestly just made us sick to try to think of scenarios in which to even think about choosing to insert ourselves into. So instead, we're just going to play a game called Sort Yourself, where we'll say uh, which which of these dumb houses we think we'd go into if we had to go to their dumb school. I mean, I know we're playing this as a replacement for Would You Rather because it's hard to even imagine being in this world, mm-hmm. and I still can't get past that. Mm-hmm. So I would have to go into House Bacchus because I would just have to be drunk in order to even contemplate living in this world. The fucked up thing, though, is that they only have juice and not even wine. They said it explicitly. What? I know. But if you're there long enough, I bet you could figure out how to ferment it. Yeah. Uh, Similarly, I'm going to house Ceres so I can have the ovens and just, like, draw my sorrows in bread. Yeah, I was going to go with that as well, (laughs) just because it seemed like... I can bake things. Some of these houses really have, like, literally no description. Yeah, I mean, you can kind of guess based on, like, what their god is like. Yeah. So I would say probably either that or Minerva, which is, like... Ravenclaw house. Ravenclaw, essentially, which I am Ravenclaw at Hogwarts, so... I'm I'm Pufflepuff. Put me in bread house. (laughs) So Apollo must be Gryffindor. Would you think that? Yeah, yeah, I mean, maybe Mars also. Uh, Depending on which flavor of Gryffindor. But Mars yeah, could be Slytherin. Yeah. But Mercury could be Slytherin. Let's, okay, let's sort these houses into other houses. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is when it got interesting. <laughs> like, I think Pluto is also Slytherin. I mean, there's way more, there's only four Hogwarts houses, so there's gonna be overlap. I think um, Diana is probably Hufflepuff. Yeah. Their their main thing is nature and hunting, so. Yeah. And they don't care for raping. Yeah, Yeah. they're loyal. Yeah. Uh, Juno, if Juno's like the goddess Juno, that probably has, we don't know, I don't think we even met anybody from Juno House, but they're probably got some Hufflepuff energy. Mm -hmm. Because she's like the goddess of the home. And the hearth, yep. Yeah. Mercury, probably Slytherin. Seems right. Uh, Vulcan, maybe Slytherin, but maybe Hufflepuff. Depends where they're going with that. Yeah. Uh, who's left? P- Pluto is Slytherin? I think so. Did we say Neptune? All I know about Neptune is, like, swimming. Yeah, Percy Jackson. <laughs> 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 Neptune. <laughs> Neptune doesn't go to Hogwarts. Neptune goes to Camp Half-Blood. <laughs> Let's sort all of these houses into which one would be in which YA series. (laughs) Or middle grade series. Oh, God. Strike that from the record. Middle grade series. And then they're they're, uh, in District 12. (laughs) (laughs) And they're all divergent. So one thing that I thought was interesting is like this is obviously pulling so much from Roman mythology, but then isn't Ares the Greek name for Mars? That yes. sounds right. 
I think they mentioned both... that a little bit. They talk a little they, bit about okay. learning all the mythologies and stuff. It's real easy to have your eyes just glaze over. And also maybe they didn't say that. Well, even if they did say it, they're not doing anything interesting with it. Sure not, no. they. I think it is when, I think it's also at the same time when they mention, like, all the historical leaders, such as Commander Wigan mm-hmm. and Alexander yeah. the Great. I think it's in with that, that they mention, like, Greek and Roman both. Okay. <laughs> anyway, that was a pretty good game, actually, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I feel good about it. And now let's move on to some reader's advisory and suggest some things to read instead of... Or in addition to this book. By the way, I looked, I a lot of people that I know on Goodreads have already given this book five stars. And I, I mean, I'm glad that you liked this. I do have questions, though. I do. But uh, uh, here's some other stuff you could read. I'm going to say The Martian by Andy Weir, which I read a while ago when it was, like, kind of hyped. And I wasn't sure that I would like it because the premise, you know, of, like, one man stranded on Mars, it seemed like the kind of story that I find, like, very stressful and upsetting. And it it was, but it was, like, tolerable. And I think because you like that character and he's funny and it's just he's everything that Darrow's not. And, like, I was root. I don't remember his name now. What's Matt Damon's name? Fucking Matt Damon. You're like, yeah, I like him. Like, get him off Mars. And it also, I think it could have gotten bogged down into, like, disgusting, like, bodily details. But it didn't. And thank you for that, Andy Weir. Thank you so much. Eternally grateful. I'm not normally a math person, but I... The math in that book was way better than all the pee in this book. Oh, so much. (laughs) And, like, there is a part even where he mentions that, like, he's using his own poop to fertilize the garden or whatever, but it's done in just sort of, like, a cute offhand way. I didn't feel, like, disgusted or, like, I was being introduced into Andy Weir's poop fetish. Right. (laughs) I am going to recommend basically anything else. Uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, best book ever written. That's definitely something you should read instead. Uh, Tales from the Bully Pulpit, which is a sci-fi comic that involves uh, Theodore Roosevelt time-traveling to the future, where it turns out Hitler has created a colony on the moon and is starting to wage a, or on Mars, rather, and is starting to wage a Martian civil war that Theodore Roosevelt has to stop. That's pretty good. Mm -hmm. Much better than this book. The podcast Sawbones, which came up because they reference Mustang's tutor, was a uh, name Plenty, which is of mm. course uh, Plenty the Elder is an old timey classical period ish scholar type dude who did a lot of medical stuff. Who they talk about all the time on that show, and uh, it's way better than listen to eighteen hours of that instead of eighteen hours of this book. Yeah, that's legit. <laughs> Uh, One thing I kept thinking of every time they mentioned the Jackal was just the episode of the West Wing where CJ lip syncs to the Jackal. (laughs) That, that episode is better than this book. Any West Wing episode, even the bad ones are better than this book. Yeah. I would say even the bad West Wing episodes are better than this book. Yeah. That's literally what I just said. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) uh, Anna, what do you got? Um, so I recommend The Goblin Emperor by Catherine Addison. It's a standalone novel. Um, it's written for adults, but it's, um, it's, it's kind of about this, um, young person who gets thrown into the mechanics of court and like, he's going to be the next ruler and everyone hates him. So it's got a lot of that, like, 
strategic thinking, but he is a really likable character. Um, uh, that's a book that like I like to reread over and over because I just enjoy being in the world. So it's a good palate cleanser. Um, I also would recommend the Inheritance Trilogy by N.K. Jemisin. Mm-hmm. It's not um, the trilogy that she has been like winning all of the sci-fi awards for. Um, it's one of her earlier trilogies, but it is kind of similar in that there's like this world and gods are real and the the main character is trying to like succeed and has these powers and it's just really really good unlike what we just read but has some of those similar elements and would be much more worth that your time than reading the other five books in the red rising series if you are into severo and his weird wolf friends I obviously would recommend any comic featuring Wolverine and also the Wolverine The Long Night podcast, which I'm not sure I've mentioned on air since it it finished. But I really enjoyed that podcast miniseries. And it has a lot of like Wolverine alone in the woods times. So if you're into that energy, uh, check out that podcast. It's on Stitcher Premium. And they're not even a sponsor of the show, and I'm just telling you about it. <laughs> <laughs> That's true love. Um, I have two other quick ones that I will recommend. Um, the Thief and the other books in that series by Megan Whalen Turner. Um, if you did enjoy, like, kind of the plotting part of Red Rising, then those books are some of the most intricately plotted books where like you finish and then you, you find out what happened and then you're like, I need to go back and find all the clues that I missed. Um, so those are really fun. And then um, Neil Schusterman's YA series, um, Cy, I don't know how to say that word. S C Y T H E. Is Scythe? that how you say that? Scythe. That, that book by him would be a really close read alike for this one. I think. I've been meaning to check those out, but I haven't yet. It's all right. It's funny. The Thief just came up at my book club on Monday, and I remember reading it when it came out. Well, I didn't. I don't remember reading it, but when I Googled it and I saw like the cover from 1997, I was like, "Oh yeah, I bought that at the Scholastic Book Fair and read it." Don't remember a single <laughs> fucking thing about it, but I definitely read it because uh, everyone was <laughs> praising, I guess, the second book in the series. Which I yeah. didn't even realize there were more. So Yeah, there's like four of them now, and then one just came out this year. Yeah, it's one, I haven't read any of them, but I know it's been a long wait between books. And so people in my book Twitter were very hype when a new one came out. Because of the They're wait. really satisfying. Yeah. All right, well, we'll have all these and probably some other ones we didn't mention on air uh, up at our website, worstbestsellers.com. So check that out. And now we'll move on to our candy pairing, where we'll recommend a candy to go along with this book. <laughs> right, well, mine is uh, the uh, the puke flavor Birdie Bots uh, Ray Flavor Beans just because it's uh, – we've said it so many times and I just cannot convey to you how disgusting this book was. Mine would be off-brand beef jerky because uh, obviously beef jerky is something that's been around forever. But somehow off-brand beef jerky manages to take this concept that's like not super great to begin with but kind of, you know, a workhorse uh, and make it really bland and worse. I chose uh, Atomic Warheads, which are those sour candies that uh, were really popular when I was in middle school, um, which seems about the level of thought that this book lives in. But they're kind of like, it was like the most sour candy. It's going to blow your head off. And it was kind of all bluster, but they come in different colors and uh, kind of leave a sour taste in your mouth. Yeah, for sure. All right. Now it's time 
for The Rock, Paper, Snicked, the game where Kate will put Dwayne The Rock Johnson into this book, and I'll put Wolverine into this book, and Anna will choose which most enhances the book, or she can choose paper, which is to leave it as is. Okay. So if The Rock were in this book, it would be actually a prequel prior to the colonization of Mars, and he'd be on a mission to scout the planet out with a crew of other astronauts, And while investigating the surface of the planet, a dust storm would roll in and his crew would race back to their ship and end the mission early. But some stray debris would slam into him and it would mess up his suit's radio and like blow him all the way away from the takeoff area. So his crew would assume that he was dead and leave. But really, like his injury was fairly minor and he finds himself like stuck on Mars and he has to learn how to survive and figure out how to send a message back to Earth to tell them that he's alive uh, and I just think that would be a really good idea for a prequel starring The Rock. <laughs> Matt Damon is going to sue you. <laughs> well played. All right. Uh, if Wolverine were in this book, he would be the proctor of House Mars. Oh, and yeah. uh, just whenever the teen soldiers started getting rapey, he would just come down from his cloud and stab them because... Wolverine does not care for that in his war games. Um, He also would shockingly have the best hygiene of anyone on Mars. (laughs) Uh, Well, uh, as much as I love Wolverine and for would love to see just about everyone in this book get some nice stabby comeuppance. Um, If I go with Wolverine, I still have to read about rape and read this book. Whereas if I go with the rock, Perhaps he will fail in his mission and this book won't even ever happen. So I'm going to have to go with The Rock. I mean, it's always a great choice to pick The Rock. I will say you're a fool if you think The Rock has ever failed anything in his life. (laughs) Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Maybe I need to reconsider. (laughs) Uh, I mean, I I think it does mean that you just get to read The Martian instead of this. And then this book would be a sequel that you wouldn't have to read. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, well played, though. And, of course, this is a game where we all win because we are finished reading this book and we never have to read it again. Thank God. (sighs) There are four, five more. There's a new one coming. It's not even untitled, which is one of my other pet peeves. Like, it was advertised as a trilogy and then there's, like, five. Like, just finish. Just finish. Yeah. When um, I went to New York Comic Con this month... And they were advertising the fifth one coming out. And there was, like, huge banners for it everywhere. And I had just, I think it was in the (laughs) middle of reading it at that point. And I was just furious. Like, leave me alone, Pierce Brown. Like, you are everywhere (laughs) in such huge font. And I don't need this right now. Anyway, yeah, there's so many. We will never read more of these. There will never be a Patreon goal or anything. We are done with you, Pierce Brown. (laughs) Never done with you, Pierce Brosnan, though. You can make Mamma Mia 3 and I will watch it. (laughs) <laughs> uh that's that's not my official moral of the story but let us segue into the moral of the story what do you guys think it was uh i'd say um the moral of this story is blondes have more fun if by fun we mean subjugation exploitation and disgusting war sounds right uh my moral of the story is if you turn your audiobook any faster than 2.0 <laughs> speed you lose comprehension no matter how quickly you want to finish a book my moral of the story is just the future is disgusting. <laughs> All right. Uh, now it's time for Duarte's Corner, where my cat Duarte will give his opinions about the book. 
Yeah, Duarte, you're right. It is extremely upsetting that they're interjecting this cat-on-rat warfare into the book. I think you're absolutely right that the cats should have just taken over and been the real rulers of Mars. And I think Pierce Brown is a coward for not writing that. Yeah, I would much rather read that book than this book, although I would much rather read, like, the back of a fucking cereal box (laughs) or fucking whatever. So, not a super high bar, but still. All right, well, Duarte, thanks as ever for your input. Uh, You're a real trooper to get through this one with us. All right, do any humans have any closing thoughts? This is not a good book. (laughs) Yeah, this book made me want to puke so much on so many levels. I, I think this book has beaten even me. Like, I am a dedicated hate reader, and if it were an actual trilogy, I would probably keep reading just so that I could keep hating it. But five books, no. No, I can't even. It's too much. It's too much. All right. Well, if you would like uh, more of our whole Worst Bestsellers deal on social media, you can like us on Facebook or facebook.com slash Worst Bestsellers. We're also on Twitter at Worst Bestseller with no S because the S is trapped below ground in a mine and the S doesn't actually know that Twitter is up above ground. And it's, it's really upsetting, honestly. I'm sorry. Sorry for that S. And we also have a Goodreads group, uh, which you can find most easily by going to our website, worstbestsellers.com. Uh, you can subscribe to us on Stitcher, iTunes, and Google Play. And if you subscribe to us, please take a moment to rate and review us. When you rate and review us, it bumps us up a little bit on the charts and makes it easier for people to find us. Uh, if you don't rate and review us, I, you know, normally I put a joke here that has something to do with the book, but I hated this book so much that any joke I can think of would be horrible and disgusting. And I wouldn't do that to you, even if you didn't rate and review us. <laughs> Um, this book also... broke us we can't do would you rathers we can't we can't do the rate and subscribe jokes we just <laughs> if you don't if you don't rate and review us then you'll have to live in district 12 <laughs> <laughs> and have to be in abnegation house or faction <laughs> abnegation faction <laughs> um. that's from divergent <laughs> You can uh, also subscribe to our us on patreon.com slash worst bestsellers, where you can pledge a small monthly recurring donation that goes to us to help make the podcast better and uh, sustain it, do things like pay our hosting bills, pay our editor, and commission our logo and our rock paper snicked logo and our rock paper snicked pins, which have come in from the people who make pins. <laughs> and uh, we'll, there'll be more about that once we figure out how the hell we're going to do that. If there's any information available about these beautiful pins, I'm sure it will be up at worstbestsellers.com. Yes. You can also buy other merch of ours in our wonderful merch store, which you can get to by going to worstbestsellers.com and clicking on store, where you can get all sorts of stickers and notebooks and all kinds of other things so that you can wear our podcast on your body. Yeah. All right. And then if you just want me personally, you can follow me on Twitter at Renata Snacks. You can follow me on basically all social media at 14across. 
Uh, I know I said in a previous episode that I would be returning to Twitter on October 1st to do 31 horror films, 31 days. Twitter's still a garbage fire and the world is terrible. And October 1st was like basically like right after Kavanaugh got confirmed. So I'm still not on Twitter, but you can find 31 horror films, 31 days on my Instagram. And you can find me mostly on Twitter as Opinions by Anna. You can also email me at opinionsbyanna at gmail or follow me on Instagram at opinionsbyanna. But fair warning, my Instagram is mostly just baby pictures. I'm much funnier on Twitter. By baby pictures, by warning, I mean, I think you mean advertisement? Well, I mean, you know, I I never want to assume. I mean, she's pretty cute, but some people aren't into that. Never. All right, Anna, thanks so much. Thanks so much for getting through this book. It was a real accomplishment, frankly. And I'm proud yeah. of us just for surviving. I'm I'm I feel proud that I've like really risen to the worst bestseller occasion. <laughs> you really have. You like some people like come on and they get off a little bit lightly, I think. You know, they get to read some kind of fun like the selection or whatnot. But you you've read a real worst, worst book. Yeah. Hashtag blessed. (laughs) Absolutely. That's the opposite of hashtag blessed. (laughs) Hashtag cursed. (laughs) Well, you're you're both hashtag blessed and hashtag cursed. And we uh, we thank you for that. And we will be back in two weeks with Stranger Than Fan Fiction by Chris Colfer from Glee. Yay. Or boo. Who knows? (laughs) Yeah. Probably it'll be better than this. Definitely. Oh, boy. The bar has sunk so low it'll be great (laughs) Anna thanks again for joining us thank you and thanks everyone for listening and goodbye Bye. bye bye